It takes more than great family tech support skills to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 139. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics, like technical support. I feel like I understand Google in a way that people who aren't technical in my family don't. Hmm where I have been saved so many times by Googling how do I do this thing that I don't know how to do that I just assume like that's how everyone approaches the world. And yeah. <laughs> and these these people who value like knowing things themselves come into this world of routers and printers and I don't know, CD-ROM drives that don't work. And they're like, well, I should know how to fix this with my hands. Like, no, you should just Google it and do what Google tells you. <laughs> That's so true. I got to Google for everything. It's insane how many stupid questions I ask Google. Yeah. Even non-technical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Well, I mean, I'm way too embarrassed to tell you the things I've Googled. <laughs> <laughs> Help Google. I'm stuck in my house. <laughs> how send someone to open the door. <laughs> oh, geez. They would love it if that was the world. We All right. We should talk about our wonderful patrons. These are the people donating at the level that we thank them every single week. Thank you to Chris Hogan, Nick Cantar, Zach Grannon, Matthew Wodewicks, David Jackson, Arnut Engelen. I should have read these first. <laughs> Fedor Rusak, Agile Ventures Charity, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Sean Clayton. All right. Thank you so much to all of those people, organizations, and creatures. Uh, if you would like to support the show, you can go to our website, softskills.audio, and click support us on Patreon. And we, we really appreciate it. It helps keep the show going, helps pay for our expenses, and gets us ever closer to um, a world where we can pay someone else to do our own family's tech support. <laughs> oh, that world. That doesn't exist. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Pluralsight. Pluralsight is hiring software engineers, data scientists, and machine learning engineers in Boston and Salt Lake City. Go to pluralsight.com slash soft skills to see what job openings are available. Do you want to read our first question? You bet. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, My boss is fairly new to management and has recently made some decisions which had a negative impact on my squad. While this was annoying, it didn't cause any major problems. We worked around the issues and recovered, and everyone, including my boss, learned from the experience. However, my squad has started criticizing him pretty harshly in stand-ups and retrospectives, and it's making me really uncomfortable. Often their criticisms are for things that he has very little influence over, and it seems like they're scapegoating him for the general dysfunction within the company. He's a nice guy who's trying his best, and I wouldn't want him to think I'm taking part in these bad-mouthing sessions if word ever gets back to him. He doesn't manage any of the other squad members. What should I do? Well, luckily I went to high school, so I'm prepared to deal with these kind of situations. <laughs> <laughs> and middle school. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. I what what the decisions were. It's it's interesting that like you can make technical decisions that really have a huge negative impact on lots of other people too. But it feels like they don't get they don't get criticized in the same way as management decisions. Hmm. Like I can, I can just go do something that will ruin everyone's lives and, and have like a really fierce argument about why I think this is the one true way to write software and, mm -hmm. and be utterly convinced. And there's, there's some amount of like, well, software just kind of sucks sometimes. And <laughs> it's reasonable that people will do things that break everything. And it's no one's fault. Yeah. It's not Jameson's fault that he believes that the best way to write SQL is to encode it base 64 for speed. <laughs> 
Um, hmm. Well, what should they do? Well, I mean, the first obvious thing is to make sure these teammates know what it feels like by badmouthing some of them. Like, I feel like badmouthing implies behind their backs, but that means it has to get back to them. Yeah, so you gotta you have to you have to like rig a very complicated gossip network to make sure it gets back to them. I think it'll just happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's already rigged. <laughs> <laughs> the systems are already in place. <laughs> I think you are failing your boss by not communicating the gossip back to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you know your role in the grapevine? <laughs> huh. Okay. Bad mouth to everyone else. <laughs> Got it. I, it doesn't feel good to work in a place where things get criticized a lot. And there's this balance between healthy, you, you don't want to be a Pollyanna and unreasonably optimistic about things that could be changed or improved, but it also feels bad to just complain and, and things never improve, yeah. where the amount of complaints is different, is wildly different from the effort put into resolving things. It just kind of like sucks all the energy out of me. And it's easy for me to fall into, too, because I, I notice things that are wrong and broken and that seem wrong or broken to me. But um, I don't know that much has changed because of just complaining. And it, no, definitely it not. Makes well, me feel better in the in the moment and then like worse overall. Yeah, exactly. One thing changed. You feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, this, I mean, this is so counterproductive, this kind of behavior. And it shows that they don't actually want things to improve, or at least that they're not willing to invest any effort to improve them. This, to me, seems like venting. And I think everyone needs to vent a little bit, but you got to choose the right audience, preferably someone who doesn't work for the company you're venting about. <laughs> so you're saying if you're just using it as an outlet, find someone else. Yeah. Don't spread it on to your team. Yeah, exactly. Because they can't tell. Sometimes people can't tell that you're just venting. And it's like, oh, I just need to let off some steam here, you know. And they think, oh, wow, this really is bad. And it's like an infection. It spreads around and starts to bring other people down. And at the end of the day, like this is, this is an example, one way that you can show bad ownership. Like if, imagine yourself being the head of this company and you act this way. Like it, it's incongruous to think that the person who's fully invested in running this company would ever do this, like just complain about their own stuff. Like it just hurts. It doesn't do anything good. Right, like the owner would would step in and try to find solutions to these problems and prevent them from happening again. I think we're kind of jumping over an interesting piece, which is the squad model here, which I yeah, assume is yeah. the Spotify type of thing where there's there's teams that are loosely aligned around products, but they're kind of cross cutting groups called squads that are aligned around problem domains. So there might be like a a database squad. But the individual people on that squad all work on in, on kind of product teams helping run their data systems. They just share knowledge somehow. I see. And so maybe maybe a manager was like, all right, everybody, we're switching to Oracle. It's got to happen. And and like, this is a thing that all the database people hate. So there, there's some amount of like blast radius here, it seems like, where this decision made by someone that they don't necessarily work with day to day still affects their, their cross-cutting responsibility, which seems like it could be hard. Yeah. But but the if if the root problem is like someone made a decision that made our lives harder, that's gonna happen <laughs> sometimes. Yep. And and it sounds like it someone made a decision that made their lives harder, which was recognized and then corrected and people learned from it. That's like the best possible outcome that could ever happen out of a mistake. Most of the time it's like fiercely defended to the death and then 
causes these huge long-running problems that are never resolved like this is good i don't know this is a pretty solid outcome yeah. to a, a thing that people see as as bad so in this so because it's a squad situation you've got maybe a, people of with other functional jobs like you might have product managers you might have qa people right on your same squad is that kind of how it rolls i thought the squads i don't know i've never this is from me like reading a pdf okay. once i'm looking at a diagram. I'm pretty sure the Oh, all right. Well, your knowledge is more is more fresh I'm, than mine. <laughs> I'm looking at a diagram from 2012. So I don't know. It, it shows a bunch of squads and each squad reports up to a product owner. And so I can only imagine that it's like a cross-functional squad. But anyway, nevertheless, oh. the, the, the important point I think you already called out, which is that the other people in your squad have a different manager from you. And maybe you're the only one there who reports to the manager that's being bad-mouthed. And, and it makes sense to me why people would be willing to badmouth other people's managers because it's not going to go yeah. up their reporting chain, right? Yeah. So now it kind of falls to this listener to be the only person who can defend the manager, right? Yeah. And I wonder if that makes yeah. it. I wonder if that complicates it because it's like, well, if I step, if I stand up for this manager, maybe they'll just think I am equally dumb and badmouth me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll I'll get cut out of the group the same way exactly. that my manager is and. They'll just badmouth me and my manager behind both our backs. Exactly. I'll effectively be voted off the squad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's reasonable to try and and express that things seem to have worked out okay. And an environment where mistakes are, are punished forever is an environment where people will not admit that they ever yes. got anything wrong. That's a place and where mistakes get hidden. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can never back down because you'll be bad mouth for, for the rest of your career mm -hmm. if you ever say like, oh, that thing I did was actually a bad idea and we should do this other thing. So I think there's a lot of reasons why this is a, a bad tendency. Mm -hmm. As far as what you actually do about it, I think. Well, I, I have an idea. Okay. Sometimes when people bad mouth other people, I like to say something that will make them put their money where their mouth is. So if they're willing to complain about it, now the, the next obvious question is, are you willing to help fix it? Yeah. And so when someone is complaining, I like to ask, well, what should we do? What should we do to fix it? And then suddenly now that's like, oh, boom, the burden of ownership has now been placed on the complainer and they now own the problem. I think a lot of times that will flip the switch in your mind that makes you go from kind of this low level reasoning, you know, non-reasoning, non-rational, just reacting emotionally to this higher level of thought where you're like, oh, I actually need to help fix this problem. And just that one question can sometimes be enough to flip people's minds around. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I think it it depends on what kind of complaining they're doing too, though. If they just keep rehashing old things, mm -hmm. then it's, it's kind of just whining and isn't <laughs> really doing anything. If it is like they should be doing this other thing or, or this current action is the wrong action to take or whatever, then I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of it's a helpful way yeah. to make it a more positive interaction instead of just complain about stuff. That's also, uh, you hear the phrase, bring problems or nope, nope, not that. Bring solutions, not problems. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some complaints are can be valuable data points of pain. And you should be able to identify pain without suddenly being given all the responsibility to fix it. But yeah. it is valuable to be able to say, like, we want to make things better. The, the, the end goal of complaining is not that we all talk and then go back and do the same thing. It should be to change things that we think are wrong. So I think that aligns with what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's reasonable to just say, like, hey, this feels unproductive to just talk crap about this person or to be more direct about about calling out what you see as this behavior? I I personally, my style, I love that. It's really hard to do, but I love it when people do it. I mean, it's like 
it shows so much backbone and it just tells me that someone is like super brave and willing to call out bad behavior like that. Now, the risk, of course, is that <laughs> you wield that sword inappropriately <laughs> and end up shutting down actual productive conversations. But yeah, if you are in the mean girls and you tell the mean <laughs> girls, hey, maybe we shouldn't be mean to, to that, <laughs> that poor outcast kid then the Mean Girls will have one fewer member. <laughs> It'll be a more exclusive club. <laughs> you increase the exclusivity. Yep. How, how old is that movie? That's pretty old now, right? I, it's pretty old. Yeah, I think it's from 2000s. Okay. Well, we're still in the 2000s, um, so not that old. Yeah, that's true. So yesterday, <laughs> 2004. Okay. That's how old it is. Um, the Mean Girls are now mature adults. Yeah, 14 years. And you hope that your coworkers are the same and will be able to recognize that they're falling into this this negative pattern. And sometimes complaining is is a thing that people who feel powerless do. I feel like Mm. the times I've complained the most are when I feel like there's nothing I can reasonably do to fix it besides complain. Hmm, that is very insightful. Oh, I thank you. You just had to deal with my Mean Girls comments first (laughs) to get to the insight. So if you if if that's why I mean the question asker even says that they're they're being a scapegoat for the organizational dysfunction and like I don't know how you fix organizational dysfunction at a large technical organization that's that's a big problem that mm-hmm. seems hard to fix so maybe this is a defense mechanism against just like broad pain and they don't know what to do but I think it's still worth calling out like this is what's happening it's not my my boss is not the person who made us have this HR department that makes your life worse or whatever the organizational dysfunction is. Like there's a problem that probably has a solution. And if it doesn't, then we should stop blaming my boss for the problem that has no solution. Yeah. Or have your boss challenge their bosses in a battle of strength <laughs> or wits or Mario Kart, whatever skill they, they can win on. Yeah. But... You just say, put your money where your mouth is. My boss can beat up your boss in Super Smash Brothers. I like that. And then I get to complain about how crappy your boss is at video games. Yeah. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Fight complaining with complaining. Be like, oh, yeah? Well, the head of QA is a bumbling idiot. <laughs> you know? Doesn't even know his up dash from his shield or I don't know. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> Um, is that a Super Smash Brothers reference? I think there's an updash. I've I've accidentally watched a couple hours of Super <laughs> Smash Brothers. Accidentally watched. It's it's baffling. I mean, I don't know. I I watch Twitch TVs like other people watch TV sometimes, mm-hmm. where I'm just like doing the dishes and I pull it up and something's on. And fighting game commentators are pretty entertaining to listen to. They get super pumped, but it is a vocabulary that I do not understand. I say a lot of words really fast. <laughs> cool. So. To bring it all back to Smash Brothers, (laughs) I think we've solved the problem. Have we answered the question? Yeah, except I think we made a little mistake in our answering. We should have spent the entire episode just complaining about the situation and offering no solutions. Mm. We really could have driven this point home in a meta way. Yeah. We failed. Yeah, well, that's what you get when you have people as bad as us (laughs) podcasting. Just complain. (laughs) All right. Good luck. Question answered. We would like to bring you a message from our sponsor for this show, Pluralsight. I knew that I was not great with CSS, but thanks to Pluralsight, I got to learn exactly how not great I am with one of their skill IQ skill assessments. I was not surprised to learn that 50% of engineers are better than me at CSS. Uh, listen, Dave, I've got some bigger numbers. 
71% of engineers are better than me at CSS, <laughs> according to this assessment. <laughs> so there's some nifty stuff going on when you take it, besides the shaming it did to me. Um, the algorithm adapts the difficulty of the assessment to how you respond. So if it if it's too tricky, if you get a lot of answers wrong, then it makes the questions easier and vice versa too. And they're using item response theory, Bayesian stats, machine learning, data science, that kind of stuff. No, I could tell it was dumbing the test down for me the more I took it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about this, first of all, because it's, it's kind of cool to uh, learn where you are lacking. But also, Pluralsight is hiring to work on this kind of thing. They're hiring folks to work on machine learning, data science, and engineering. That's right. So I actually know a few people who work at Pluralsight, and they say that it's a really great place to work. They have openings in Salt Lake City and Boston, and Pluralsight was voted the 18th best company to work for in the U.S. by Fortune magazine. If you want to check out the open jobs, go to pluralsight.com slash soft skills. That'll take you to a special page just for soft skills engineering podcast listeners. That's P-L-U-R-A-L. S-I-G-H-T dot com slash soft skills. Check it out. Thank you, Pluralsight. I'm going to read the next one. This is from an anonymous listener. I work at a big software company and sit in a room with about 20 people. Not all of them are on my project and lots of them are really loud. You know, like in a stock market or something. <laughs> I use headphones to listen to your podcast. Well, not only yours, to be honest, oh. but usually that's no help. I turn on music. I can still hear every word. These guys somehow think it's okay to discuss their work in our room instead of a meeting room, which we have plenty of, and do it loudly while me and my team always go somewhere else to talk. I talked to a couple of these people, or I talked to these guys a couple of times about it. They laughed and said they would try and be a little more quiet, but promptly forgot about this promise five <laughs> minutes later. How else can I handle this situation? I have good relationships with all of them, which is probably why I have not been taken seriously, but I don't want to lose those good relationships. Oh, man. 20 this is like oh go ahead just i was just saying 20 people that are all really loud well lots of them are really loud wait it's not all of them that means you could form a coalition of quiet people and take them on yeah and, and you all be quiet <laughs> and then you've been defeated by the loud coalition like all the quiet people sit together and listen to all the loud people be loud <laughs> and then win <laughs> Or not. The Quiet Coalition is not well equipped to win. <laughs> Guys, we all have one skill in common. We're very respectful and quiet. How can we if leverage we just, our skills? If we're just even quieter. <laughs> Surely they'll get the message. <laughs> oh, man. You know how you have... Have you ever been to like the Facebook offices? They have all those... Well, last time I went, they had all those propaganda posters... What? <laughs> it's like Facebook culture propaganda. Okay. They have them at Instructure yeah, yeah. in a local tech company. Every, every like, company that has coded encoded culture has these things on their walls, right? Like posters. Yeah. Or... They have a designer who makes pretty stuff, make a thing that's like kind of tongue in cheek, but also kind of not. Yeah. So you need to start making propaganda posters. <laughs> and I think maybe like loose lips sink ships would be a good one. <laughs> just, just enforce the culture through well-designed posters stuck on the wall how about just a poster that says shut up you're a jerk <laughs> be quiet we're trying to work here <laughs> okay yeah you need to be visually noisy because oh. being being like sonically noisy is not a skill set <laughs> but maybe you can create like a flashing neon sign oh yeah says be quiet Oh, um, what about a strobe light in all four corners 
that every time someone's loud, you press a button and it's just blindingly <laughs> Just flashing. a noise-activated yeah. strobe light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. It's automated. You have, don't even have to push the button. Yeah. Listen, team, yeah, I've sounds... taken the liberty of installing a noise-activated strobe light. This will help us manage <laughs> appropriate volume levels in the, in the room here. The downside is all it takes is one person to bring in a boombox and just have a permanent dance party <laughs> in your room. They're like, this is the party room. Everybody crank the tunes. It's got these sweet lights. <laughs> the quiet coalition fails again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Do they make jerk canceling headphones? <laughs> Yeah, maybe your music is not loud enough. To defeat the loudness, you just have to crank the death metal. Just blast the white noise at 120 decibels. Oh, man. <laughs> After a few months, you'll be like, well, I can't hear my coworkers or anything. <laughs> Problem solved. I can only communicate via text. I am not bothered by loud noises at all. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know. You'd have tinnitus, though, I guess. And that's just a permanently loud noise in your ear. <laughs> At my last company, we had rooms that sat five or six developers to a room. And then we had an open collaboration area that where people did not sit generally, but they could go out there and gather and meet and talk. And some of the offices had like a silence policy where they said, look, in this room, there's no open talking at all. And of course, exceptions were made here and there. Like, do you want to go to lunch, everyone, that kind of thing. But generally, it was no talking. And if you want to talk, message someone and then you can get up and leave and go to the collaboration area. Um, that worked great. But I noticed that it often devolved back into talking depending on who is in the room it's like there's just this there's a certain class of people that just can't not talk when there's other people in the room have you noticed yeah. that yes yes and, i have and i think when you get 20 people like the law of averages you're, you're says, gonna have yeah. like one or two of those people yeah. yeah and then when they talk someone has to respond yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's like one or two people that are willing to talk when it's silent and then there's probably a bunch more people that are willing to talk if other people are talking. Yes. And then there's like a handful of people that wish everyone would shut yeah. up all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think yeah. you're, you're fighting a math game So have here. smaller teams. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that could work. So this might be a management problem, actually. When you have 20 people crammed into a room, you know, and it's not a big open room where people can spread out and have quiet conversations that don't bleed into other people's work areas. I think you might have to take this to management and just say, look, this is not going to work. I think there was something to my boombox idea. <laughs> I think if you're just playing tunes, it's harder to talk. You have quiet rooms for them to talk in. Okay, no. And uh, and you get to carry a boombox around. <laughs> well, that's the boombox is its own reward, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> intrinsic. Yeah. Or and and okay, okay, you have the boombox. It's just playing all the time, of course. All of all of the classic jams. And when there's a group of loud people forming, you just hoist it up on your shoulder, mm -hmm. kind of like dance on over the group and just stand there in the middle of the group with your loud boombox playing and you sonically disrupt their conversation, <laughs> disperse them. So you're fighting fire with fire dance now. back over to your chair. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I want to know what love is. And it gets louder and louder the closer you get to the group. And, and you're shouting at them like, hey, what are we talking about while your 80s jams are playing? <laughs> okay, Quiet Coalition. Quietness failed. Yep. Let's go to the other side of the spectrum. We, well, yeah, it's like we can't be loud physically. With our voices. But we can augment ourselves yes. with machines that can be loud for us. <laughs> okay, my... Ah, ah, okay. Text-to-speech bot for Slack. <laughs> Have your Slack channel hooked up to a text-to-speech bot that just like yells, just a yelling one. <laughs> And so you're just having all these text conversations and it's like yelling like, the deploy went great. <laughs> there are 
It turns out there are a lot of ways you can make a lot of noise. Pick any of those. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm just slightly skeptical of your ideas. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you got? Okay. My, my thought is this is a management problem. Quit complaining and give me solutions. Okay, not that's right. I'm going to bring you a solution. This is a management okay. problem that needs to be solved by management. So to make sure management is keen and attuned to this problem, you... I'm going to assume your manager sits in a private office. Let's just assume that. Or at least someone up the chain sits in a private office. All you have to do is hook up a microphone in the room with the noise, pipe it to a Bluetooth speaker in your manager's office so they get firsthand experience with the with the talking and noise levels. Yeah. Yeah. Give them that open office experience. Yep. That sounds great. They'll be like, I can't get any work done with all this talking. <laughs> I think... That's tongue in cheek, but I think you're right. I I think managers like to solve problems. It's uh, sometimes we get this idea in our heads that they're just like scheming away at whatever they do that isn't real work. But I think a lot of the times they just might not know what problems are affecting the team. And and part of their job is to go find that out, but if you can give them more information and say, "Look, it's really hard to get work done. Like, can you help me get more work done?" That's that's part of their job is to help you get more work done, is to help you work effectively. Yeah. And so I don't think it's outrageous to to bring this productivity issue to them and say, hey, can you help out? Tried to talk to them about it. It hasn't really worked. How can we make it easier for, for the quiet coalition to work? That's right. I agree 100%. But first, I would probably try to at least do what you just suggested, like subtly, which is talk to the group first. And it does say here that, let's see, I talked to these guys a couple times about it. They... <laughs> Okay, maybe not. Maybe you're right. Just go straight to the manager. You're done. <laughs> You've already tried this. Yeah, lot. I think I think not sounding like a tattletale is is good, and and there's some there's some good that can come out of trying to handle these problems yourself. But you've tried that. I mean, you tried it and it didn't work, and it seems like it's a bigger problem. And just trying to yourself remind people or nag people isn't going to result in a quiet environment. Yeah. And if your manager's solution is just to go talk to the same group and say, hey, why, doesn't, why don't you all try being a little more quiet? Yeah. Then yeah. I think you should tell the manager, it's we've tried that. Work. We need, that. that is a, that's a good intention, but we need a mechanism. And I think we probably need a structural change to our office now. Yeah, there's, there's some incentive that needs to happen, that needs to be put in place because just reminding people with more company authority behind it, it seems unlikely to work. I was thinking a good incentive would be a new wall down the middle of the office. So you have fewer people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is why restaurants, part of why restaurants get louder all the time is because everyone starts talking louder and, mm -hmm. and then you have to talk louder to be heard. And yep. then you're just shouting. And I think that's not a situation even the loud people want to be in. Because if everyone's loud, then they lose their special powers. Yeah. Which is the power to be loud when everyone is quiet. <laughs> I I worked with a guy who is the loudest human I have ever worked with. Okay, and, and it wasn't me. He would go. It was a, yeah. It was a dude. No, he, what I mean um, is it wasn't. It had, wasn't me. Oh, it wasn't you. No. Oh, yeah. It wasn't Dave. Okay. No, I haven't worked with you. This isn't work. This is play. Oh, Dave. right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we had a like a, a circular off or circular open office with a meeting room in the middle, and so he would be polite and go into the meeting room to have his loud conversations but then it just like echoed through the whole office it was just him in a room by himself shouting at the top <laughs> of his lungs on on a conference call and the way i solved that was work there for two years and then go get a different job oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think anyone ever 
talk to him about how loud he was. And then I think he he left a little bit after that. So he's like, oh, if it's just the one person, you can count on like tech company inertia or tech company, not inertia, like stochasticity to, to bounce random people out. Yeah. And eventually you won't work with that person. Anymore. Eventually. But a group. <laughs> It's got it's gonna gotta be a lot of the right kind of randomness to get all the loud people to leave to different jobs. <laughs> That's a harder one. I guess you could start applying them to other jobs that you think might pay more just on their yeah. behalf. Mm-hmm. That can in- that would can work. encourage the stochastic wand to touch them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like all these solutions. Okay. I we've think given, we've done it. We've given you a really big palette here to choose from, so it's on yeah, you now. Pick any of those. Pick pick a couple even. <laughs> Try multiple. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess we just admitted that some of them won't work. <laughs> Only try one of them because that one will work for sure. You don't need to try more than one. <laughs> yeah, all of them are surefire solutions. Yeah, so pick one and that's the one that will work. <laughs> You'll thank us later. Yeah. All right, what can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. You can fill out a little form there with your name or you can leave your name off. It's up to you. Thanks so much to everyone who's written in. We really appreciate it. You are the lifeblood of the show. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next week.